1: Welcome back to a post-Brazil edition of Hot Takes Wednesday. I'm your friendly neighborhood host, Dre Harrison. And while the storm has blown over, the hot takes certainly haven't. And i uh, glad you could join us as ever. And uh, we have a familiar face back on HTW for the week. For the first time in a little while, we've wrestled her away from the editing side of the keyboard. <laughs> it's Charlie Williams. It good to have you back, Charlie. How's it going?
0: Hello, everybody. Also, you said familiar face, but nobody can see me, so I hope people recognise my voice instead.
1: <laughs> How could they not recognise your dulcet southern tones? <laughs>
0: Thanks, I really appreciate that. <laughs> my farmer <laughs> voice. To be um, fair, yeah. the,
1: the amount of jokes I get about my accent all the time, from anywhere from America to Australian, like you, you don't even know it's so. It's it's relatable, I promise. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I'm all good. It's nice to be back and talk some hot takes. I miss giving my opinions on things, although I still do it on Twitter, but actually for people to listen to because i don't feel like people listen to me on there anyway but
1: <laughs> <laughs> this is it's twitter just... it's all it's all just mumbling into the void people don't listen to anything on that platform anymore <laughs> it's but uh, we do try around here and I, I actually haven't mentioned this on the show um until now but i'm going to because you're here and obviously you you do for those that don't know Charlie does like 90 percent of our website editing stuff and um she does a brilliant job with it but uh, there's now a little accompaniment to htw it's now htw extra heat do check it out on the wtf on website every thursday where the whole team will now chip in on a selection of takes you here on the episode so if you want some if you want even more um hot takes wednesday there is now a little website weekly column we now do alongside the podcast as well um i'm honored to be able to share that a little bit more and you know growing the hot takes family of uh, of, of uh, content, I suppose you could say. So do check that out every Thursday on the website, wtf1.com. Look, look for the HCW Extra Heat columns. And all of us, me, Charlie, and Hannah, will be chipping in on a few takes from every episode. Should be fun. But as you know, every podcast is somebody's first. So, in case you didn't know, here's how this show works. You, the fine WTF One audience, send in your hot takes. You, there's a few ways you can do that. Now, um, you can check us out on Monday morning on Twitter, WTF One Official. Look out for the post roughly Monday morning, sometimes the afternoon. We, we try um, most these most of the time it's Monday morning, uh, and you can send in your tweets uh, regarding. So, look out for the hot sauce boil, and look out for that for the hot takes Wednesday logo on that. You can send in your takes that way. You can DM me on instagram or most social media platforms if you want to follow me on twitter at dre underscore wtf1 or you can follow me on instagram dre harrison wtf1 over there you can dm me and i'll try to get some takes on the show every once in a while there as well or you can email the show at contacts at wtf1.com all your hot takes get sent in to me on there so good luck and hope you can send them in oh one more thing before we get going I would like to do a sprint special next week. So if you've got a take on the sprint format and how you could possibly change things, we'll go into proper detail on next week's show. So send them in now, and you've got a much better chance of getting on the show next week. Just throwing that out there. Um, so. I have one. I have one. What? What, what is it, Charlie? <laughs>
0: get My hot take for the sprint special is to get rid of them.
1: I'm shocked that someone would just say, <laughs> get rid of them. I would never have seen that coming. Um, but uh, just, just a spoiler. Just saying, get rid of it, probably won't increase your chances. Just, just throwing that out there. Um, but... Look, it's not going away, as much as we love to admit it or not, it's it's not going anywhere. But anyway, point is, is that once you send in your wonderful takes, me and our guest, in this case, the lovely Charlie, we'll have a little bit of back and forth on them and we'll score them on a scale of one to five. One being that we strongly disagree, five being that we strongly agree. So, Charlie, I know you're a bit rusty, but you're back in the chair. Are you ready for another edition of Hot Takes Wednesday?
0: I am. I'm really glad you explained which way the scale was because I forget every time. (laughs) And it's been a while, so I'm glad.
1: And this is why I say on the show every show is someone's first, including yours, apparently. Who knew?
0: (laughs) Yeah, well, we all know I'm not the sharpest tool in the box, so it's fine. Let's go. I'm ready.
1: Her words, not mine. No, <laughs> j- j- just, for, just for pointing that out. Take number one comes from the Smargi on Twitter, and uh Smargi says, "Oh, shocker! It's a Charles Leclerc take. I wonder why he's coming off the back of Brazil." um <laughs> Quote: Charles won't be with Ferrari by 2025. He will either retire for his own sanity or be with Mercedes. <laughs> I do like how that's worded. That's quite funny. Charles won't be with Ferrari by 2025. He will either retire for his own sanity or be with Mercedes. Well, coming off the back of seemingly an electronics failure of some kind on the Ferrari that, put Charles Leclerc in the wall on the formation lap of all things. I can't believe I'm saying this is the second did not start of Charles's career already. Most drivers never have one. He's got two, which is outrageous. Um, Charlie, how do you feel about this one?
0: I mean, for his sanity or everyone else's sanity? <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, his contract is until the end of 2025, right? Right. So, uh I don't think he's the type of guy to like not see out his contract and just leave the team in even more disarray than they already are. So no matter what they've done to ruin him, I feel like they'll he'll stick by them until his contract ends at least. Charles is a really funny one. Throughout all the rumours he's ever had of him leaving the team, I've never really believed them because he's such a Ferrari guy. Like it's the team that he's always wanted to be with. He it holds a lot of sentimental value. He's always wanted to do, to do it for Jules, but at one, at like at what point does he start choosing his head over his heart? And I mean, I wrote an article earlier this week detailing all the things that have hindered him um it's in an
1: astonishing season. list uh, when you yeah. actually see it and you actually visualize it it's like holy hell How has he been yeah. this unlucky
0: yeah um, like when i started it i was kind of like all right so there's going to probably be like at least six examples no there was 14 14 yeah and like just this yeah and i admittedly some of them were his fault but i would say only two Instagram have other ideas, but they can Mm. get in the bin. They're not wrong. They're not right. Um, Anyway, and then (laughs) there are a lot of issues at Ferrari, and it's just it's not just strategy. It's not just pit stops. It's not just the up and down nature of the car. I, I just I don't know. It it blows my mind actually that Ferrari, like a Ferrari, is the only person, the only car to have not like that's not a Red Bull to have won a race this season. Like that is mental when you think about all the the problems that charles alone has had i mean i wouldn't even want to calculate Carlos is on top of that mm. i don't think it's i don't think it's as many <laughs> as no. charles bless him but <laughs> it would just certainly be up there i don't know i i don't know where charles would go i i don't see him as a mercedes man um not like they're doing much better right now either at the moment to be honest that was, but... that
1: was like the one prevailing rumor that came around a sort of time earlier this year and I was like oh maybe a Hamilton Leclerc swap deal of some kind like 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 we're playing uh, football yeah um,
0: I wasn't I wasn't buying it I me wasn't either. no I just I couldn't see him there I don't know I I would see him more at Red Bull but I don't want him at Red Bull while Max is there because they have a very good respectful relationship at the moment and I don't think <laughs> and I don't <laughs> that would certainly create tension and I don't think Charles is a a good number 2 driver which you have to be to go into Red Bull um and I don't, I think he's worth more than that and I wouldn't like to think that he would retire that early either because I mean it's no secret I've said this before I don't like Charles isn't like up there for me like not in terms of i don't know lewis max lando like he's not there but he's still like an incredibly good driver so i really wouldn't like to see him retire and i don't think he's had his best days in formula 1 yet he's had some great days but i don't i i think we've we've still got much more to see from charles if he can get the car underneath him so i don't know there's this there's this real like problem this is going off off track a little bit but there's I think there's a real problem at the moment with like the grid is just so good like all the drivers in the top teams are just like amazing drivers and I just I feel like the grid is almost I don't think we're gonna see that much change in the grid over the next couple of years until until there's a retirement one big retirement and then I think we can probably Get a bit mixy up. but So I just don't see where he'd go, to be honest.
1: I'll tell you how I I feel (laughs) about it. I mean, first of all, I completely agree. I mean, I wrote about this on the website last week for for a DRE after Mexico, seeing the five rookies that we had take part in that FP1 session. And I was like, there's a good chance at least four of you don't make it. And that made me feel kind of sad in a sense, because you're absolutely right. The grid is loaded. I'd say there's about 15 or 16 rock solid seats in f1 right now that are just going to be unmovable at least for the next couple of years i'd argue so that's certainly an off-tangible one, because i actually did get a dm from someone. i think it was the tf's left hand on twitter that dm me saying there'll be no new drivers on the grid till 2026 which i thought was actually quite an interesting take i might use that for in a couple of weeks time um but yeah Here's how I feel about Charles getting a little bit on, tr- on on topic. One, I've been on the more positive end of Charles in his career. I think he's a, a, a top three or four driver in F1. I think the only two guys I would definitely take over him are Max and Lewis. Um, there's a few debatables. Fernando, Blando, I could argue one way or the other. I think you could go either way on that. He has been bitterly unlucky. Over the over the course of his career, and me and Charlie joined forces for a long form video that will probably be out by the time this podcast goes out, um, by the time you listen to this, um, and we weighed it up and we're like, i writing that script. I was like, no, Charles has certainly had the rough the rough end of the stick, luck, luck wise in Formula One since he's been there. He's in a team that doesn't fully back him. They've they've put themselves in a bit of a pickle because Carlos Sainz is not. I think he's in the ballpark uh, of Leclerc as a driver. I think they're certainly very very evenly matched, which doesn't help because one two structures tend to work better in F1 than having two elite drivers in the same camp. That's generally how I feel about it. Um but addressing it from the from the perspective of the take, I don't think Charles is a, is a contract bailer that will, I don't think he's going to kick up a stink and try to get out of that contract early. I don't think he's going to Mercedes either. I think George is one of their guys. He, he He's a, a feel-good story for the Mercedes Academy in general. About time they promoted someone worth a damn. Um, and if you listen to Lewis Hamilton, and look, retirement speeches are always up and down. You never quite know for sure. But the way he's talking, he wants five more years. He wants to race into his 40s. So and and I I would put Hamilton in what I call golden handcuffs territory, where he's there at Mercedes for life if he wants to be, mm-hmm. because he's done so much for them. He's still one of the best drivers in the world. Like if he wants to be at Mercedes for the rest of his career, he will be because Toto is not going to is not going to turn his back on Lewis Hamilton. He is Mercedes at this point. He like he, like they're a huge part of his brand and vice versa. So. I don't, you're, I completely agree with you, Charlie. There is no easy way out for Charles in this scenario. There is no situation that, that says to me, this is a better one than what he's got at Ferrari right now. Like, Red Bull are not going to hire an elite-level driver in their other seat. I know Christian Horner said that he was looking at Lando Norris, but do you take Christian Horner's word for anything? Like... He's like, the man is a liar because team politicians are. That's what they do. Like, if they weren't, they, weren't, they wouldn't be doing their jobs properly. Um, there's no better scenario for him than what, than what he's got at Ferrari right now. They're a debatable second best team in F1 right now. They're fighting for second than the constructors right now. They have the resources to compete. You know, they've not had a proper title campaign in some time, but there's... McLaren are locked in. Aston Martin have got Fernando as long as he wants. And Lance Stroll is locked in. Red Bull has got Max. And do you really want to be Max's number two? I don't think you do. I think Leclerc's been good enough to win races where he's at right now, let alone going to do it in purple and play second fiddle to Max, which nothing good in F1 has ever come from being Max Verstappen's teammate. Nothing. (laughs) Like... And that's no disrespect to Max. It's just because he's that good. It's, yeah. just, it's just how it's just the way it is right now. So, for me, I don't. Uh, in, uh, one more point to agree with you, Charlie. He's a Ferrari lifer, Charles. He like it, there is an, um, a deep emotional bond with Charles and that team that runs deeper than most driver team relationships he, you know the Jules Bianchi connection of course um the um, like the Ferrari really was his dream team um he got in incredibly quickly he's been backed with a five year contract you like Formula One doesn't give out five year contracts very yeah. often they did it for a reason because they looked at Charles as their guy look I'm a massive Sebastian Vettel fan and one was when he was in F1 was since his Red Bull days the moment I knew they gave Charles a five-year deal, I was like, "Yes, yeah, Seb's finished at this team." I, I, I knew right there and then. I was like, "That's their guy," because they would never give a driver a five-year contract. Otherwise, mm-hmm. that just does not happen in this sport. Not even Max got five years, like, which is crazy to me. Um, so, with all that in mind, I'm going to say one here. I don't again. I don't normally say one very often. But I, I I get the idea that, you know, Charles is going to go mad because of how much Ferrari has made mistakes and made errors and the frustration of it. I don't see him as someone that's going to kick up a stink and try to leave. And even if he was, where the hell would he go? Because there, there's no better option on the table for him right now. So I'm going to say one. How about you, Charlie?
0: Yeah, I think I'm going to go with the one as well. I agree. I don't he's not going anywhere before his contract ends and like say even so where on earth is he going I think um I don't know if something big happened and I don't know say Verstappen and (laughs) and Hamilton retired at like the same time I think then we can we can probably jump Charles back into a conversation on where does he go and and will he leave Ferrari but that's very unlikely to happen so I think at this point, he's probably a a Ferrari lifer, which is a shame in a way. Well, it's not, but for Charles' sake, for our sake, for every single Ferrari fan out there, their sake, I hope that Ferrari just sort their lives out.
1: I know know what you wanted (laughs) to say there. (laughs) I, I, I respect the fact that this, this show is PG thirteen. Um so, so, I, I could see the I could see the way your lips were moving.
0: But um
1: but, but yeah, like I, I completely agree. Um look, I want Charles to do well, he's a good dude, he's one of the good drivers, he's one of the genuine, vibrant personalities that F1 has. It's a it's a more uh, if the first half of twenty twenty two taught us anything, is that it's a lot more fun when he's at the front challenging for wins because that mm-hmm. was a very fun first half of the season when Ferrari was genuinely competitive. Shame it all went to crap in the end. See what I did there. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it's, it's 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 not fun seeing Ferrari fight for fifth and sixth when, look, everybody's a Ferrari fan. We want to see them do well. It's a lot more fun when they're competitive, um, as opposed to, shall we say, when they're not. Um, but yeah, hopefully we'll turn that around. Also, people, people of the internet, Please get off this high horse that Charles Leclerc is a bottler. I, I, I don't like this narrative <laughs> about him. I think it's nonsense. He makes one mistake a season. It's like, oh well, he makes too many errors. Nonsense, especially with the yeah, fact you know I I've re- never I, bought that.
0: I really hate the like the pole conversion stat that's like doing the rounds at the minute because like I'm not being like I'm not being funny the last two years have been completely dominated by max verstappen what do you expect like anybody's pole conversion in these last two years is not going to be looking great with rocket red bull taking right. all the wins so
1: and the and the way their cars are ferrari's built for one lap pace red bull's built yeah. for race pace you're not going to convert very many poles when that's the philosophy of your team like he's had twenty, what twenty two career pole positions, and he's like, it's 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 weird that like I, I, I looked at the list and like I considered maybe one of them a genuine bottle, and that was France last year, uh, that was a genuine yeah. howler. But besides yeah. that nonsense. I've never bought into that that bottle of mentality. Anyway, enough about Charles Leclerc. Here's take number two. Um, Oh, it's a sprint take. This is going to be fun. Uh, Alexander Dills on Twitter says, time to change the sprint race. Regular F1 drivers shouldn't race in it. It should be development drivers or young drivers. That way we get two championships in one session and the young drivers get experience. So if you're going to have a sprint race change... Have it with development or younger drivers. We get two championships in one session and the young drivers get experience. How do you feel about that, Charlie?
0: Oh, my eyes are twitching.
1: (laughs) It's a sprint take. Charlie's Charlie's blood has boiled. She's turning bright red on the screen right now. You can't see
0: it. Well... Uh, well, I feel like I always make my feelings on sprint races very clear. And that's just to get rid of them. Um, even after Brazil, I tweeted, still not a fan of, of sprints, FYI. And and people were replying, like, not even after that. And I was just like, after what? Like, I honestly, I feel like as an F1 fan, as, as F1 fans are bar. Of what makes a great race has like significantly <laughs> dropped this year. <laughs> because, Maybe because honestly, like it was, well, it was all right. Like it wasn't terrible. I actually like to be I honest. I enjoyed it.
1: I enjoyed Brazil sprint for what it's worth. It
0: was. I yeah, I enjoyed it, but it wasn't like like people on Twitter were making out like it was. The race of the century. I just, I can't. It's a no on there for me. Um, we
1: have to get you on the sprint episode next week now because you like your your kettle is boiled over. This it's 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 hilarious to see in real time.
0: I just, I think, I, I mean, I am going to go on a bit of a uh, sprint rant before. I get to the actual take, but I just think sprints are useless. They do nothing to affect the main race anymore. I hate that qualifying is on the Friday. As a writer, it just throws me completely off. And even before this was my job, it used to frustrate me that I'd be at work and miss qualifying, like one of the yeah. main events of the weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't I mean, don't get me wrong. I am a bit of a nerd and I love practice sessions. And I will take that to my grave, but like, um, don't look at me like that Dre you know how much I love a practice session you do. but like I was always so disappointed about missing them too on a Friday but like I could live with it but qualifying nah that's too far you don't take that away from an F1 fan no thank <laughs> you I just like every sprint weekend it's just the same again qualifying the same format just a little bit shorter like and they're just pointless. They're so pointless. I really like, I just, I can't get on board with them. I'm going to have to because F1 aren't going to get rid of them because nope. apparently there are all these people out there that love the sprint races that they must, it must mean that they must keep them.
1: Well, in their eyes, it's more fun than a practice session. So they're going to watch but, it.
0: But like, <laughs> my thing is, no. It's not more fun. That's not what they mean. They mean that they're getting more people in on a Friday and they're selling more tickets and it's making more money. That's the bottom root of the sprint races. That is why they are there. No, 100%. But but in saying that, as much as I hate them and I have to get to grips with the fact that they are staying here, if they are going to stay, I would be open to, like, a big change, like a big shake-up in the format, whether that be Reverse Grid, which has been spoken about God knows how many times, and I don't know why they don't just trial it for everybody's sanity and for everybody to just shut up about it if it doesn't work, (laughs) or a one-lap shootout for qualifying so that I'm not re-watching the same qualifying that I did the night before. Right. Or I saw this suggestion about the bringing in like reserve drivers and I was kind of like, do you know what? I could get on board with that. It, they are right. It could give drivers who have perhaps graduated from junior categories, but haven't found a full-time CNF1 to race at those selected sprint events and keep their heads in the door and hopefully impress the right people. The one person I think of the most when I think of this is Felipe drugovic because mm-hmm. he has been very open and honest about um, not wanting to do anything else on the side of uh, Formula One. He's kind of just he's basically in. waiting. yeah. Um, and, you know, he would really benefit from being able to participate in these kind of like sprint events. I like that it'd be almost like a separate championship. So it wouldn't affect like the actual championship. So that I could, I could get on board with that. The only downside I think is that a lot, of reserve drivers do have other commitments alongside formula one um so scheduling and finding the right driver could become an issue but and then you know if you go for all younger drivers it effectively just becomes another like feeder series kind of thing like it's but i think there's lines you'd have to there would there would be there would need to be a lot of fine tuning to make it work but i could actually get on board with that but otherwise burn the sprints
1: a Charlie rant for the ages. <laughs> I must say, it's
0: been a while. It's been
1: a while. Oh, I've, 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 I've missed, I've, I've missed your rants, Charlie. Look, what can I say? I've,
0: I've ranted so much, I've lost an an AirPod. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> she,
1: she's, she's lit. Her head, her head is so hot, it's <laughs> melted the AirPods around her. Um, yeah. look, I, I, I read this like again. There is some credence to what you're saying. I mean, look. I'm I, I won't I'll save some of my thoughts on the sprint for next week but what I will say this they're not going to get rid of him you're absolutely right where that's concerned. More people are invested in Friday and Saturdays with this format. There's no getting around that. And that's why it's not going to go away. The promoters make more money if they can sell more weekend tickets. And honestly, it's the way motorsport is going right now. Like I grew up a World Superbikes fan. They went from two races a weekend to three. Formula is loaded with double headers on its calendar now. IndyCars added an exhibition race for 2024. You know it, the way motorsport is going right now; it's going in in the direction of trying to get more bang for your buck. That's how it goes. So there is something to that. Um, more on that next week. But what I was going to say in in response to Alex's take is that isn't that just what Formula Two is? Because Formula Two has as a sprint race format, it has reverse grids for said sprint race you know what this take shows to me and this is not personal against you addicts in general people do not care about formula two on a mainstream level at all because you've got that you've got the next generation of potential talent with reverse grids and a sprint race right now in formula two and you'd think people would be flocking to that idea but Oh, do, do 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 people just want the Formula One coat of paint that it comes with them? Because like I think that's probably why the F1 Academy, for example, it's a big deal that they're going to be on the support grid for next year, and the extra gloss and the clout that comes with being a part of the Formula One package. Maybe that's the reason why this has been suggested, um, as an example. I mean, I I haven't got a big problem with it, but would teams ever trust? their younger drivers to take part in a race format when they haven't got a lot of seat time in the first place. Um, because, I mean, look, right now, if you're lucky as a young or reserved driver, you might get two FP1s a year um, right now. Because I know Dragovic is getting two, Panama Ward's getting one, you know, and he's a fantastic IndyCar driver and <clears throat> and whatnot. And there's other guys like, obviously, Theo share Oli Behrman, etc. cetera. Um, but I do wonder... Would a team ever trust a younger driver to, shall we say, you know, take an F1 car, put him with an, a bunch of other relatively inexperienced drivers and trust them over a full race distance, or even a sprint race distance, which is one third of the race? Um, that would be a big ask for a lot of teams. I remember when the sprint race first came around, came, came around, I should say, that teams complained about the cost cap side of it because they were like, well, what if we get crash damage? And this is with the full experienced grid, let alone younger drivers, which are probably going to be a bit more prone to making mistakes. So, you know,
0: I mean, yeah, there would, like I say, there would be a lot of fine tuning that would need to happen. Like that, it would be a big step to make it that way. And but I don't think it would be completely like Formula Two. I mean, completely different cars for of course, for, yeah. For one, obvious. But like, um, I don't know. I just I think there isn't very many. It's it's kind of like going back to what we said earlier. The grid is just so good now that yeah. the feeder series is like creating a real problem. I mean, if, it's a bottleneck. Yeah. yeah, I mean, um, if if. Uh, Teo Porcher wins again this year which looks I, likely it, yeah then he will be an, yet another driver that has graduated from Formula 2 and ha- won't have a seat in Formula 1 next year.
1: Third year running the the, the champs not had a seat straight away because yeah. Piastri and Drogovic were in the same boat.
0: Yeah and then even just before like even if you go a little bit further than that like it was obviously Mick the year before but Two and none. Mean, yeah. And then Nick. <laughs> and he's only just got his his opportunity and then it quickly flew away. And so yeah, there Nick, is Nick, a Nick, real... Nick,
1: yeah, regularly speaking, Nick was an outlier. You don't normally get an F1 chance... Two or three years yeah. after you win the F two title, which which Nick was always kind of swimming against the tide because he was in that same loaded twenty nineteen group with yeah. Russell Norris and Albon that all came up together. That never happens in F one anymore. We have three graduates in the same season. Yeah, that's never going to happen again in the way the but way F one's going.
0: Exactly. So that's kind of I feel like the feeder series is very slowly becoming more and more broken so i feel like if you did the sprint like this it would offer like a a bit more opportunity for those younger drivers that are basically just being like cast to the side like mm. i mean you know oscar is oscar is very lucky really that he is so talented that he took a year out and has still come into formula one as a rookie he got very absolutely lucky. blown it In away, that sense. but mm. a year off from driving. I think people don't realize. Like, it's, ah, I, I mean, you know, drivers would be like, "Oh, it's like riding a bike," but it, you're you're still stepping up to a much faster, much more powerful car. And mm. after a year of not driving anything, and then just all of a sudden you get given this like machine. I don't know. So yeah, I, there's there's definitely. It's not something that they could just like be like, right, let's start this in twenty twenty four, but I think there could be something there.
1: You'd you'd have to be offering out more testing time, more free yeah. practice sessions. Yeah. Um, maybe even running a third car certain weekends, maybe to make that work. And, you know, obviously financially you'd have to figure out ways of making that work as well, because that's a lot of lots, a lot of resources um to be able to do that. But I must admit you've kind of talked me round on this. Like I was originally (laughs) going to say this thing was a two. I'm actually going to go up to a three on this one because I was going to disagree. The more I think about it, the more I kind of warm to the idea where maybe with some tweaks, it could work. Maybe it could help alongside formula two to help promote the next generation of talent. Um, a more direct, you know, example of, star talent that could work in 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 the long run get more f one fans invested in younger talent like that and in f two in general as a series as a cross promotion sort of vibe you've talked me around on it i'm <laughs> gonna i'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna say three i was gonna say two on this originally but i've actually i've actually come around a bit on the idea so i'm gonna say three
0: i'm i'm gonna go four but not because like i'm really like an advocate for this idea in Mm. it like per se because like I say it would take a lot of work but it's uh, my four is mostly directed at the first like six words time to change the sprint race (laughs) So
1: you like Robocop? He just saw the first sentence and was like, "Okay, I I must kill. I must kill this idea. Just, just, just kill it, stone dead." Um, Yeah. (laughs)
0: So my, I I mean, I I very much agree with that. If we can't get rid of them, then they do need changing. So that's my my big agreement. It's towards those first six words in particular.
1: (laughs) Yeah, but but I, I get it. I get it. You know, look, I don't have as big a problem with the sprint as most people do but I could see the argument why you might want to make it a bit more radical. My my biggest problem with the sprint in general is it's too safe. It's too much like the Grand Prix, and that's probably its biggest issue. Uh, But again, more on that on next week's show. Um, So yeah, if you've got a sprint take, Next week's your week. Get them in. Um, time for a quick ad break here on the WTF1 podcast. But before we get back to Hot Takes Wednesday, this episode is brought to you by the fine folks at LinkedIn. These days, every potential new hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. It's so easy to create a free job post on LinkedIn jobs. Even I can do it. Then add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and more. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash WTF1. That's linkedin.com slash WTF1 to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Right, here's the annoying bit where we have to put the mid-roll in, but uh, after that, we'll be back to the show. Take number three comes from Luke Howells on Twitter, and this is going to be a fun one because the Verstappen ones always are. Verstappen will only be an all-time great if he wins the World Drivers' Championship for another team. Ah, the old two-team argument. Verstappen will only be an all-time great if he wins the title for another team. I'll take this one first on this one, I think. Um, So, Luke, again, this is not you personally, but here's what I would say in response to this perspective. Is Sebastian Vettel not an all-time great? Is Ayrton Senna not an all-time great? Is Jim Clark not an all-time great? Is, you know, like, these are the sort of names. Is Fernando Alonso, is he not an all-time great? Because these are all one team, one manufacturer champions in F one history. We've, there's been many of them. And I don't think anybody's looking at Ayrton and Senna and going, hmm, he should have really won a world title in that Tolman. Um, that, that, that's really what it would have sealed his all-time great argument for me. Um, I get why people make this this notion that, you know, the proof of the quality of the driver is if he goes elsewhere and wins there too. I I get it. And some great champions have. Lewis Hamilton, obviously, probably the biggest example of that. I don't read too much into that, and the reason why I don't is because the best car wins anyway in F1. 99% of the time, the best car wins. It's just a matter of what badge is on it. And the great drivers are able to maneuver themselves politically into a position where they can win. Like, politics is a massive part of what makes Formula 1 what it is. Being in the right place at the right time is a massive determination of how your career can play out. I, I mentioned this on, on a couple of weeks ago, Charlie, that Ross Braun famously said that if they couldn't have got Lewis Hamilton when he was weighing up in 2012, um, but you know, whether he wanted to stay with McLaren or go to Mercedes, do you know who the number two option was? It was Nico Hülkenberg. Mm. Could you imagine?
0: Uh, I've heard that. I've heard that story
1: before. Because Hulkenberg was killing it at Sauber at the time, and he was doing really good at Force India, but it would have made sense. So could you imagine how different we are talking about Nico Hulkenberg's career if he'd even done one year at Mercedes as opposed to the Sauber's, the Force India's, the Renault's, and obviously now the Haas team that have littered his career of just midfield teams. So timing... Politics, strength of car—they play massive roles in how drivers' careers are determined. Um, I think Valentino Rossi probably may play a role in this whole change of team, making you a better talent because he did that in MotoGP. He went—he he dominated on a Honda, went to a Yamaha who was bad at the time, and immediately made them world champions and people were like yep rossi's the goat which understandably because he is in bike racing so i think a lot of of people have applied that logic to formula one where i just don't think it's the same because i think in in the world of two wheels and this is a small tangent the rider makes more of a difference than in formula one where the best Mm -hmm. car will win like 95 percent of the time so my gut feeling is that verstappen's already an all-time great If you've won three championships and you've got 50 career wins, you are an all-time great. I don't care what circumstance, what car, what team. Yeah, And I know know there's a lot of people that want to asterisk the crap out of Verstappen's career because of the cost cap, because of the way 2021 played out. (laughs) I don't need those accolades. I watch the man every week. He is one of the best drivers I've ever seen. Raw speed, lack of mistakes. Consistency. He ticks every single box. He is already, for me, one of the ten best drivers that's ever been in Formula One for me. If you're a free time world champ with 50 wins, you're in, as far as I'm concerned. Um, you're in that ballpark. So that's how I look at it. How about you, Charlie?
0: Um, easiest no in the world for me. I had the exact same notes as <laughs> everything that you just said. I I can't I, it's just not adding up for me. If if Max goes on to win twenty four and twenty five, he'll become a five time world champion, and we're just going to be like, ah, he only won them at Red Bull, so he doesn't matter. No, that's not that's not how it works
1: yeah, here. You're likely talking a five time champ with probably seventy to eighty wins, which is yeah, just like, come on. Yeah, <laughs> what more do you
0: need? <sighs> it's not. It, it's not. I mean, like even even if you compare like to. To even to, like, Lewis and Michael, even though they've won others with other teams, like, their ma- their majorities were with one team, five with Ferrari for Michael, mm. like, it just, you know, six with Mercedes for Lewis. Six with Lewis, so Lewis like,
1: and yeah, 80 of Hamilton's wins. Something like 83 out of his 103 wins are with Mercedes rather than McLaren.
0: Yeah, so what, are we just, like, I just, yeah, I... I <laughs> it's almost like in my head, it's almost like saying as soon as both of those drivers went to other teams and won that that one championship with another team, they could have just given up because they'd be on the all time great record, like on the list. No, that's not. No, 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 no. <laughs>
1: Um, yeah, look, <laughs> I, I, I've never bought into that argument. And look, it's nice. It's a nice feather in the cap to have. It's a nice proof of your brilliance if you're able to win in different setups, different team environments, um, and and whatnot, and you're able to make that work for you. Brilliant. You know, if they're good for you if you can pull that off. But I've never looked at, at Schumacher's greatness and gone, yeah, that Benetton run really took him over the top. <laughs> like, no. Like, there was, there is already a very strong <laughs> argument about Michael as one of the all-time greats. Same with Lewis. Um, I never look at it and I go, well, he won with two teams. That what makes him so good. Yeah. No, it, no, it's because he's a brilliant bloody racing driver, and he's, he's won... Everywhere he's been in his F1 career. And I, I just don't think the two team argument really works for me in that sense. Because Mm-mm. if you, it's also a little bit disrespectful to the people in the back. Like there's a thousand people at Mercedes that help back up Lewis Hamilton to make him the driver that he is. Yes, you could argue he's arguably the most important piece, but there's still a structure behind them that is a huge contributor towards his success. So for me, I. Verstappen's already an all-time great. He's already there, in my opinion. I think if he's he's up there with with Hamilton, Vettel, Alonso of this era, and he's statistically he belongs in any era of this sport at this point. And if you win three consecutive championships, and you've uh, this, what we're watching right now is probably the greatest single season in F one history in terms of achievement and an accomplishment. He's already there. So this is a one for me because he's already an all time great. So I don't think he needs to go to a Ferrari or go to a, a, a McLaren or a Mercedes to prove it. He's already there. Maybe this is the Vettel fan in me kicking in Cause he won all four of his at Red Bull, but he was brilliant at Ferrari for a good chunk of his career there as well. He just didn't quite have enough to get the big one. Um, like as a Vettel fan, I will say this, 2017, 2018, he was the only person that was giving the Mercedes something to think about every week. Um, that was enough for me. I knew Vettel was... He could be spearheaded two brilliant teams. That's enough for me because he won double-digit wins at Ferrari as well. So for me, it's a one. I think Verstappen's already an all-time great. He doesn't need to prove it elsewhere. He's him.
0: Yeah, I'm going with a one as well. I don't really have anything else to add, really, but... <laughs> it's just i yeah i just can't get on board with stuff like that i also don't think that like i, I don't know i'm not very much of like a stat person really like i don't you're a vibes I, person not not just vibes but like i don't think like the amount of wins and championships and stuff defines like a great driver but not necessarily. Not much, in, yeah, yeah not in all you know in all aspects obviously like it, it i mean it's it's a good visual for how good they are but i just yeah, maybe i'm saying this is a lando fan who has no wins
1: <laughs> currently <laughs> <laughs> but, the, but the but the vibes are immacu-
0: <laughs>
1: but but the vibes are immaculate, Charlie, and that's all that matters um no, no look, stats will never tell the full picture. Jim Clark has ninety lesser wins than Lewis Hamilton, and a lot of people still think Clark's the greatest ever because of the era he raced in, the time he raced in his win percentage records <laughs> are off the charts. There is so many different ways to skin that to skin that cat to make arguments about great driver stats. I'm, I I admit I am more of a stats person than the average person is, but there is more to it than that. And the way you feel, the way you watch somebody race, that emotional side of of, of that makes us few It's who we are. So of course that's going to play a role in how we look at. Things like goat status uh, and legacy debates are a huge part of sports. That's what we do. So you know, it 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 it, it comes, it goes, and it comes and goes. You know, this is how it goes. Anyway, take number four comes from Sandal Footbum. Uh, again, great name. Um, <laughs> Sandal Footbum on Twitter says: Stroll and Perez have the same problem. They are both great drivers on their good days, but the bad days are too frequent. Five, next take. No, I'm joking. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Stroll and Paris have the same problem. They are both great drivers on their good days, but the bad days are too frequent. How do you feel about that, Charlie?
0: Uh, I mean, yeah. I guess, like, I, I, I don't know. Both drivers have received a lot of flack this year and, like, I'm not defending that. It's quite understandable. Mm. Um, But a few weeks ago, I made a comment on Lance and I think it was after all the, mm. the shoving saga that we will not speak about. Um, But Dark I was Castle, actually, yeah. like, but I was actually quite worried about him. Like, something just wasn't... I don't think that something isn't, like completely right with him at the moment like i I, he's not he's very chill lance like it's so funny that i receive all the transcripts and stuff that come from him like every
1: week sometimes
0: they are the shortest transcripts every single week just a line line. yeah and like he's just i don't know he's just such a chilled like driver i think people sometimes take that Mm. for him not wanting to be there, and I don't think that's the case. I think that's just his personality, um, and yeah, I, I something's just not clicking with him this season. And I don't think he is an awful driver. I do stand by that. I think he's better than what we have seen this season, and the reason I we'll probably never know. But I, I really do stand by that. I, I mean, it, I've I've had this thing in my head that it's that has wondered whether it's that he came back from his injury at the start of the year, like way too soon. And it started to have like some kind of like long lasting effect. Like Cause you, when, I mean, I don't know if anyone's ever broke a bone or whatever, but when like you get your cast off, you literally feel like you can do anything. You're like, yes, yeah. I'm free. <laughs> and like that adrenaline of probably being back in the car and stuff, like probably did well to carry him through the first, like couple of races or, the first couple of months or whatever. But then the mistake started and I just wonder if, like, you know, it could have caused a little bit of a setback. But he's never going to admit that because they'll put him out of the car <laughs> and then he won't be able to drive. Um But, yeah, I, I, I'm i not making any, like, excuses for how he has performed. Like, Fernando has literally carried, carried Aston Ma in this season, but um something's not right. And Perez again i i feel similarly i think red bull would not have put him in a championship winning car if they didn't think that he was a good enough driver there's no way right. he he's also great but again i think it's been a mental thing for him this year i'm fully convinced that at the start of the year he thought that he had he could have challenged max for the championship
1: and, we were all hoping it
0: and then it very quickly started slipping away from him and i think he struggled with the fact that he's not as good as max and i can't even imagine like how that would feel as a driver because every driver is um they're almost like wired to believe that they are the best in that sport that they could beat everybody and then to go in and in every single week and be cons- <laughs> consistently proven wrong that actually like you can't beat this one person. I read something from Valtteri Bottas actually about his time at Mercedes and he said something similarly. He was like for ages, he, he really struggled mentally because he knew that he could, he thought he was the best. Like he could have got onto Lewis's level and stuff. And then he was like, one day it hit me that actually like, I'm not that good. And he was like, he really struggled with that. And I just wonder if that's kind of what's happened to Perez this year. But again, no excuses, but both of them are great drivers. They've just, it's just not been their entire, like their their season, really.
1: It's easy to forget that Lance Stroll (sighs) dominated European Formula 3 to get into F1 in the first place. And there were some good drivers. In, like, I think George Russell was in that series with him the time he won it. Um, you know, look, Stroll's had a poor season. There's no arguing that, you know, and, um, it's, he's absolutely struggled compared to Fernando. I mean, great weekend this weekend to follow him home in fifth in Brazil. That was a, a step in the right direction, and I hope that continues because if Stroll does that week to week, no one's going to complain about him. No one's expected him to beat Fernando over a full season. But if he can just get close to that, then that, you're golden, quite frankly. Um, and yeah, with Perez... He got the Red Bull seat in the first place because he won a race in a Force India and was fourth in the championship in 2020 in a racing point. Sergio Perez was the midfield driver of this era, and and, and that's going to sound like I'm being condescending to a degree, but he was that guy who had a complete knack and, and brilliance of being in the right place at the right time to take advantage of chaos races, which happened... You get two or three of those a year in an f1 season and like Perez had a knack of just being in the right place at the right time and finding ways of making it work that's that that's the legacy of his career before he before he went to Red Bull um and that's what got him the top tier seat C- in the first place because it was either him or Alex Albon and Red Bull broke their policy to hire him. Like that's how good Perez was. So yeah, absolutely. If like, he's going to retire with at least five wins to his name, which in F1 is already a really high number to win one race in Formula One is an incredible accomplishment to win five is outstanding. Um, and he's had a great career. He there's a good chance. He's championship runner up by the end of the season. And yeah that's not many drivers get that to that even to that level in formula one like it's it's you're in the top what you're you're in the top one percent of the hundred percent at that point so yeah it's i generally agree with this take is what i would say i think even Stroll in the middle of what is his worst season in Formula One, he's had moments in his career where he's had genuinely outstanding weekends. I mean, I I remember Turkey in 2020 where he was leading that race. He was, he qualified on pole and was winning until this front wing collapsed. He he had a 10 second lead in that race. I remember that race. It was, was, Stroll's incredible in the wet. He's had podiums and a Williams. Like he, he can drive a car. He's had, he kept Sebastian Vettel honest at Aston Martin. Like they're, yeah, there's a good driver there. I'm I'm sure of it. I think that's probably why people have dunked on him so hard for this season because we've seen better from him. I know it's easy to rag on him because of his dad and his rich boy background, and sometimes he is a bit flat and deflating in interviews. It, it makes him a very easy target, but he's not to the point where I'd say get him out and get him out of the sport entirely. He's he's a good driver. He's he's had moments of genuine brilliance. It's just frustrating when he's having such a bad season by comparison because it's going to make you dunk on him harder. And it's kind of the same with Checo. Like, I remember he had, I think, seven or eight podiums before he'd even got to Red Bull. To, to do that in cars like Racing Point and, and, and Sauber back in the day when he started his career over there, there's a there was a lot of talent, which like Checo got into a McLaren in year three of his career for good reason because he was that good in a Sauber. Didn't work out for the year he was there with Jensen, but they you, like, the take is I think is completely correct. And like that, yeah, there are they, they can be very good on their day, and yeah, we are comparing them at the moment to all time greats. That's part of the problem. Fernando Alonso is one of the best drivers of all time, in my opinion. And Sergio Perez is driving against Max Verstappen, a team that's been catered around him for the last half decade plus. Um, and Max is an all-time great. You know that st- being able to stack yourself up against them is always going to be an incredibly difficult task. Go, on, Charlie. <laughs>
0: um, you didn't give you a, you didn't say a number.
1: Oh, let me to give you a number as well. Okay, fine. I'm gonna um. <laughs> I'm going to say five, I completely agree. I think they are great drivers on their good days, but I think, yeah, compared to the the very highest level that we talk about in Formula One, then, yeah, their bad days by comparison is what leads them to get criticized so much. So, yeah, I'm going to say five. I completely agree. Yeah, I... Hmm. I'm
0: going to go four. I only have four. I just because I'm never 100% certain about anything in my life, so
1: (laughs) that's the way life is sometimes, you know? (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) but I
0: I agree. I like maybe we're just like really naive, (laughs) maybe, (laughs) and and see the best in everybody, but um, we're optimists. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) but sunshine and rainbows. I I do, I, I completely agree. I just, I don't know. I especially, especially Lance, I feel like he's had a lot of a lot of stick this year and i don't think it's all quite deserved so
1: yeah yeah his career <laughs> is better than what this year has shown an aston martin most definitely
0: i think this, it's really difficult i think people just kind of like see the now and forget sometimes about the past so i yeah. you know like that's
1: sport it's it's it's, it's very yeah, a what have you done for done for me lately kind of environment yeah. you know that's Daniel Ricciardo, I've used, that, I've used that phrase to describe him for many a year because that McLaren one was so bad, but his Renault one was so good. You know that's what's kind of led to this confusion about him. You know that's a discussion for another day. But it's <laughs> it's it's absolutely a "what have you done for me lately" kind of environment, and that mm-hmm. is that that has pros and cons in its own right. Final take of the episode comes from Tony Dobson, who says uh, this season is going to do a decade's worth of damage to TV ratings for the sport. To the point, Tony. <laughs> this season's going to do a decade's worth of damage to TV ratings. Charlie, are we doomed here because of how, <clears throat> quote-unquote, boring this season has been?
0: Um, No. Like I actually i I really disagree with this i um look I will be the first person to hold my hands up and admit that this season has not been the spiciest. it has not been the most thrilling. Nope. Uh, we haven't had a championship battle. we're probably nope. all craving one um but I have been through these eras of dominance once or twice before, and whilst it whilst Verstappens does, I feel hit a little bit different. Than the past, Um, I'm still here. I'm still, I'm, I'm still religiously watching every single session. I'm still tweeting my little life away, talking about F1. It's still a conversation topic to every person I talk to. It's still my biggest passion in my life. I love the sport, and I'm Dalulu enough to keep believing that one day we will have a battle between everybody and it'll be the best thing since sliced bread. Like I just I I just think that when you love the sport that much, I I just there's there's nothing really that could that could make me fully be like, I'm putting this down. And I know it's slightly different now because I feel like I'm talking from a job perspective. I have to right. watch every session. Right. But but even like Even beforehand, like sometimes like this year, I mean, I've worked every single race bar one and I still got up and that was Japan and it was my cousin's, the day of my cousin's wedding and I still got up to watch every single session. So like... You know, like that was my like could have been my weekend off. I could have just sat and watched that later, but I didn't. I had to watch it at the same time, even though I knew full well what was going to happen. And I just think, like, I don't know. I I just I love the sport so much that I just can't imagine. And I and it's not just me. There's loads of people that are so passionate about it. They're not just going to drop it after like a couple of dominant seasons. And right. not only that, but drive to survive continues to be- to bring fans into the sport. Um, I I, I don't know. I-, I really don't think that F1 needs to worry too much about its ratings and neither does anyone else. Quite frankly, if you want to watch, cool watch. If you don't, I don't know, go and enjoy golf. <laughs> Something like, I, I just, yeah.
1: <laughs> oh yeah. Dear. Um, yeah i need to make this abundantly clear even if i wasn't working for wtf1 and if you know me well enough motorsport 101 on the side as well i've been a content creator for f1 for 12 years like i would still be watching every race weekend even if i wasn't doing that um and look I'll, charlie i'll let you in on a little secret come closer come closer this is how the sausage is made in f1 we like There are more boring seasons than great ones in F1 history. Uh, This is how it's always gone. It's a mechanical sport first. (laughs) It is an engineering competition first. The best car will win. That's why Formula One rotates regulations every few years to try. That's their way of trying to be entertaining indirectly by resetting the board and seeing who can win this new engineering competition, which is when the new regulations come through every Everywhere. I grew up a massive Schumacher fan. Do you know how pissed off I was in 2005 <laughs> when they changed the tyre rules so that they had to go for the whole race instead? And, and Ferrari were immediately arse for a whole year. <laughs> like, as, as, like, as a 13, 14-year-old Ferrari fan, I was mad as hell about that. Looking back on it now... I understand why, because Bernie was crapping himself thinking that, oh, no, if Michael wins every year, no one's going to watch us anymore. Mm-hmm. Every sport has to deal with that fine balance between sporting integrity and entertainment purposes, because you, you can't have one without the other. It's getting the balance right, and every sport has to deal with that problem. I mean, look, I'm a future NASCAR fan. I watched Ryan Blaney win the Spring Cup title this past weekend. Was Ryan Blaney the best driver in NASCAR this year? Absolutely not. Um, but they have a playoff format, and that's how playoff sports works. It's the best person on the day that wins. That's the bed that NASCAR has chosen to lay in. It's the exact same thing in Formula One. Look, it's I, I get it. You know that this has been an uh, uh, this has been a, arguably the most dominant F one season maybe ever it's it's looking that way it's certainly angling that way um and i wouldn't blame anybody for thinking it was boring that's a completely valid you know and a valid take on 2023 um and you know of course we want it to go around a little bit of course you want two or three teams or whatever to be in the mix we wouldn't want that as a sports fan but this is also how f1's always been like the great seasons are an outlier more than the norm I mean, let us do a quick check back here. How many like how many great title fights have we had since since let's go back to say 2010, like 2010, 2012, I would say, 2014. If if you count the one team fights we had with Mercedes which, you know, a lot of people didn't like either because Mercs were so dominant when the hy- the turbo hybrid started as well. And only one team won the majority of those races. So even then, you could maybe argue one way or the other. But let's say, let's be generous and include. So let's say 10, 12, 14, 16, 17 at a push because of when Ferrari's title campaign collapsed late on. So maybe 17. Then you're looking at what? 21? And then twenty two was obviously you know we've so we've had five or six in the last fifteen years roughly, that's less than half. You know they're outliers, unfortunately, and that's kind of how F one's always been. Is that fair to say?
0: Yeah, I I do sometimes feel like um, the 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 narrative around like the sport being boring and like get you know losing. Losing viewership and things like that—it comes from us being so spoiled in 2021 because that was, it was like
1: a, it was an all-timer. It was yeah. an all-time great title yeah. fight. Even even if you ignore the way it ended, you can't say you weren't captivated by the ending. No, right? No. You know, and that wasn't an all- even before Abu Dhabi. It was an all-time great yeah. feud. All-time yeah. great. We were so, spoiled
0: we were spoiled and i think that's where i think people were expecting that in 2022 and people are just like grappling to get that back and i like i like say i will admit i i love a title fight like 2021 was probably one of my favorite seasons like ever but
1: it will it age just... better in the long run yeah i'm i'm, I'm but, certain of that
0: but um yeah i just i can't get i i just i don't find f1 boring i don't sit there and go of course not every race can be a banger not every race is a absolutely classic not. and we've had a lot less of them <laughs> this year but Certainly. i just i i still enjoy it i still sit here and i'm still like that was really fun and i would still be like that if even if i even even if it wasn't my job i'd still absolutely love it i have not missed like an F one session race. Apart from like, well, like I said earlier, when I used to work Fridays and I used to mi- have to miss practice, or whatever. Mm. But I've not really missed like the majority of a, of a weekend for years. Like I cannot really remember. Even last year, I went. Me and me and my partner went to Formula E, and it was the same weekend as the Hungarian Grand Prix. Mm. And we sat there before Formula E started and watched the Damn. race on our phones. Like I'm not missing. Yeah. So it's just. I don't know. I, I I just... I don't think F1's got anything to worry about, really. So if I'm going gonna...
1: to... If you're listening to this podcast, <sighs> you are probably a hardcore F1 fan. You are probably watching every race, every qualifying session. You probably follow a bunch of them on social media. And and look, I, I could see why this takes come around because of the back of the DTS era and there has been a genuine wave of new fans that have come in that you're always going to be afraid might hop off the wagon again. And there might be in the long run, but a lot of people have just woken up and realized, no, this is what F1 normally is. Like, I think there's something that's to start out there that like two thirds of the championship winning seasons, the team that won it, won more than half the Grand Prix's that year. Dominance is an embedded part of Formula One because it is not... It's not a sport that is won at random. It's a sport, it's a competition where the best team wins. Yeah. And when the best team wins, they will win a lot. That That is generally how it's always been. So, and look, it doesn't, like I, I've made my peace with that a long time ago as an F1 fan. If you, like, if you are expecting every season to be like 2021, then now let me introduce you to the Premier League where Manchester City have won five of the last <laughs> six league titles. You know, it's, it's like, this is just how sports go sometimes. Sometimes there are dynasties. Sometimes there are, dominant eras and sometimes you just got to accept that it's part of the story it's part of what makes sport what it is so with that in mind i'm gonna say two i think there absolutely will be a drop off it to some degree um in the long run when people realize that this is how the sausage is made is like there's that analogy i said earlier i'm not i'm not gonna go all the way and say one but I don't think it's going to be a decade's worth of damage. We've got a new regulation set coming out in two years' time. You know, there will be a reset. It will jumble the order up again. There will be new stories, new rivalries, new feuds. That's how the sport has always been, and something will come along. It always does, and we'll be, we'll be there to talk about it. So I'm going to say two. I don't think it's good. I think there will be a bit of a drop in in the short term, but a decade's worth of damage? Nah, nah. If you want to talk about damage in the sport, get it off pay TV channels. That's a, that's a discussion for another day. Um, <laughs> but, uh, I'm going to say two. Charlie, how about you?
0: Yeah, I agree. I would also go two. I, it's so hard to deal with, like, drop-offs and stuff, I think, because, I mean, you just don't know how much of those people just genuinely like, you know, this isn't for me anymore. I mean, like, I grew up watching... I grew up watching Formula One with my dad and stuff. But was I into it? fully that whole the since I was two years old no No. it took me like you know it was just it was weekends of just kind of watching it because it was on the tv and I've told this story so many times when I was younger I used to ask my parents like why they used to race in people's gardens in Monaco like I couldn't get my head around it (laughs) yeah and like I just you know things are gradual I think sometimes and there were there were times that like I turned 18 and I was like alcohol is the best thing ever so then i used to go out all the time and could not be bothered to get up Mm -hmm. god knows what time to watch the races you know there's always there's so many like life factors that not everybody can be like a 100 hardcore fan all the time um we're just very fortunate that we have to be at the moment but there's always going to be drop-offs in sport in every sport at some point so i but no to, to blame to blame Max Verstappen or to blame Red Bull or to blame dominance for it, I think is wrong. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. I, I agree with what you said at the top of the segment the dominance is hitting a bit differently because it's max compared to Lewis. I think there is absolutely something to that with Lewis's popularity may have stemmed the bleeding on that fact a little bit because Lewis was so transcendent and popular. But like you said, everybody's story is different. I I wasn't a hardcore F1 fan from the moment I started watching. I dropped off when when Schumacher retired for a little bit. I got got back on the wagon when Hamilton became world champ because Mm. personally as a black man, seeing a black man succeed got me back into it. It was like, oh my God, Lewis Hamilton, he's brilliant. Look at this guy. Um, I'm, I'm sure a lot of people that have been fans for a long time have had their levels of interest wane, go up and down. Of course you're going to be into it more when there's an actual title fight. How many people watched to the end of 2021? Like, how many people that don't normally watch F1 went out of their way to watch that race?
0: Oh, honestly, like, I, so I used to work in it. For anyone who doesn't know, I used to work in a nursery. And, like, I walked into... Um, work on like the Monday after that Grand Prix and somebody that had literally like one of my colleagues who had never said one word to me about Formula One the whole time I knew her suddenly was like oh what happened with Hamilton at the weekend and I was like what did you just ask me like because they'd heard about it because it was so like out there so yeah, yeah. A, yeah,
1: know that feeling. I, I used to work in a bookies exactly the same way. I would never get asked F one questions until until DTS became more popular. And when that twenty twenty one finale happened, I had people in the bookies come up and ask me about F one because they knew they knew I was an F one guy. That that that's how it goes. It's it, that's how sports go. Sometimes you're the talk of the town. Other times you're not. That's just how it goes. But that'll do it for this episode of Hot Tech because we've got nearly 70 minutes on this one and that was fun <laughs> um I, I, like, I know you guys have had no problem with longer shows so I guess this is one of those examples for you <laughs> but um, um before we get out of here just again one more time if you've got a sprint related take get it in next week you have a much better chance of getting on the show look out for, he- for extra heat as well on the WTF1 website tomorrow um if you want some even more opinions from me Charlie and from Hannah um in regards uh to anything we've talked about on this week's show and of course you can follow us on social medias or WTF1 official you can follow me at Dre underscore WTF1 you can follow Charlie at Charlie WTF1 as well we'll be back next week in the run up to Vegas for a sprint special of Hot Takes Wednesday I'll see you then I've been Dre Harrison she's been Charlie Williams sayonara
0: bye